tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Oh, so how was it? Did you get your uh, movie clip out there? I hope you did. And, and uh, it's fun to be able to have those. I, I have so many of them. It's wonderful. We have the great privilege this morning to hear from a former staff member of our church, uh, Tony Rodriguez, uh, was on staff here before, I mean, before I got here, and, uh, and it was fun to serve alongside Tony. I had known of Tony in, uh, before I came here and had heard of his ministry to students, and then it was a privilege to be able to see him step into the mission field of taking teams of people to India and seeing a ministry open up to then, Tony has uh, been instrumental in seeing hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ. Uh, some of us have been on those mission trips and seen whole villages come to Christ because Tony was willing to step out in faith and trust that God was leading him. And Tony, I'm just forever grateful for that. Tony now is uh, uh, still involved in that ministry, taking teams over to India when India opens up <laughs> to be able to do that. Uh, and we will be going again. Uh, we had a trip all planned a couple years ago, and then that was uh, canceled due to COVID. But Tony also works with, uh, I mean, does work with a lot of churches that are in India, but one particularly has a, a, an orphanage there. And Tony helps raise support for those by sponsoring children. He'll mention something about this, but I'll mention something about the end. There's a table in the lobby area where you can pick up a child and sponsor them. But Tony's gonna to open God's word for us. So Tony, come on up and let's give him a welcome as he comes on up and gives God's word to us. Bless you, brother. Good morning. Oh, so uh, just a little commercial on, on the orphanage. Um, we got a lot of kids and uh, the government uh, um, told us that we could not have more than a hundred. So we had 220 at one time, but now we have about 87 and um, I'm knocking at the door of a hundred. I want to get every, every kid sponsored. So we got about like 13, 14 more kids to get. And uh, if you haven't sponsored a kid, I've always wanted to sponsor a kid. um, Come see me in the corner over there in the lobby I'll be the one out there uh, telling you about it, okay? God bless you guys. Um, thanks for being a, a part of the journey that we're on. It's a journey of faith, and uh, it's exciting. And the first step is scary. After that, it's real fun. You know what I mean? So uh, let me get my glasses on so I can see what I'm looking at. Oh, hey. There. So um, a dark sea. We're going over uh, Psalms. 109, and Psalms 109 is known as a cursing psalm, not the kind where you use like foul language, but when you wish bad thoughts upon another person, that kind of cursing. Um, and, and if you read it, it's so heavy. It, it's, uh, it, it, it uh, is almost suffocating as you read it and you, you realize the grief that David is going through and that he would pin it down so that we could read it uh, is amazing. Um, But uh, I wanted to uh, uh, start uh, this morning uh, with a a thought from The Princess Bride. How many have seen the movie The Princess Bride? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, As you wish. Yes, thank you. Um, 
In, in The Princess Bride, it's a, a movie made in 1987, something like that. It's a, uh, it starts off with a story uh, with the grandfather coming to visit his sick grandson, and he's going to read this book and, and in the hopes of sharing a very powerful message about true love. And as he's sharing this message of true love uh, with his grandson, uh, the grandson kind of gets caught up into the story, and he, and he feels uh, that, that, that the story is going wrong because uh, who we think is the hero uh, is not looking like he's going to win the day. And the villain looks like he's going to get away. And the grandson is <clears throat> proclaiming to the grandfather, it's not fair. It's not right. Prince Humperdinck can't win. What about Wesley? What about the good guy? Grandfather, it's not fair. You're telling the story wrong. Tell it right. And the grandfather looks at the grandson and he says, who told you life was fair? Where is that written? I thought, what a, what a brutal truth to know when you're young. Who told you life was fair? We live in a fallen world. We live in a corrupt world. It's, it's uh, tainted with sin. No, it's really very, very comfortable with it. it. It puts it on like one would put a jacket on. Life's not fair. It's not. So one of the things that, that, that we desire in life is that, that, that things would play out as fair. Is that not true? But there are some really famous cheaters. And when you come across a cheater, uh, how do you feel about that person? You don't really want to like embrace them too much, do you? I, I thought of some. I remember when I was a young man and I was watching the, the Dodgers play the Yankees in the World Series and, the, and the, the, they played the Yankees a couple times in the late 70s, early 80s. And I remember there was a player named Reggie Jackson. I don't know if you recall him, but uh, I always think of him as a cheater because uh, he was in, the, in, a, in a spot where he was going to be uh, thrown out and there was going to be a double play going on. And what he did for his team as the double play was going to happen, as the throw was coming from the shortstop on second base to the first baseman, he stuck out his hip and deflected the ball, and the umpire didn't even catch it, didn't even call him out. I was so frustrated. I need to forgive Reggie Jackson, don't I? <laughs> I, I still struggle with him. Um, and then, and then uh, you know, uh, if... if uh, yeah, I, I really do need to forgive him, don't I? Uh, uh, remember Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosha and Jose Canseco, you know, and, and it's like, wow, look at all these home runs these guys are making. They're knocking the ball out of the park and the most home runs ever in a series and blah, 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 blah. And then they had this number out there and, and, and giving out prizes and toys and cars and baseballs and this. And then guess what they get for the rest of their life? Because they took steroids they get an asterisk next to their name for the rest of their life. How do you feel about those guys? How do you feel about those cheaters? It's disappointing. It's discouraging. It feels like a betrayal to baseball, does it not? It does. Amen. You're baseball fans. Amen, man. <laughs> and, then, and then the other thing that I get just amazed at is the voting process in a communist country. And I, you know, I'm not saying that they're cheaters, but when you get 98% of the vote, all the time? Something's not right there. It doesn't feel good, does it? Something is amiss. Um, do you remember uh, Tanya Harding? 
And man, she whacked the knee of that, or had that, that girl's uh, knee whacked, uh, Nancy Kerrigan. I thought, oh my goodness, how horrible is that? Cheaters. How do you feel about her? I don't know. And then there was a band, uh, I remember maybe in the 90s, uh, 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 Millie Vanilli. Remember Millie Vanilli? You know, a girl, you know it's true. I love you, woo woo. And they had a lip sync it. I, 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 uh, I, I wanted to take a, 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 a photo of the lyrics so I wouldn't mess it up. But then I realized, girl, you know it's true. I love you, woo woo. How, and, and how did the record industry feel about that? Well, I guess they were part of that, weren't they? But the general public felt like, oh, my, you guys are lip syncers? Yeah. Well, there you go. That's how kind of we feel about that way. And then remember in the, in the 70s and early 80s, you know, in, in the Olympics? And, 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 you know, I love watching the Olympics. I love the competition there. I love how exciting that is. And then the swimmers go out there and they swim these laps, you know, and it's like, well, I realized I would drown before I got to the edge of the pool. And, but it's like, it's amazing how they cut across the water. And then the German women would come out and they were about as big as Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know? And they said, no, no, they're, they're not taking any medicine. Well, I don't know. How do you feel about that? And then, and then there was Lance Armstrong. I thought, man, Lance, you're representing America. You won seven Tour de France uh, competitions. I thought, yeah, an American winning the Tour de France. Right on. Go America. Have your freedom fries, right? And then I was like, what? You were taking steroids. So everybody that came in second really came in first. And I don't even know their names. And they missed that celebration. How do we feel about that? We don't feel too good about it. I know that. I know that. Cheaters, they're not thought of highly, are they? But the author here in Psalms 109, he's, he's speaking about a betrayal of someone very, very close to him. And this attacks the core of the person. His integrity, his credibility, his social status, uh, he's been betrayed. And I'm guessing that many people, even in this room today, have been betrayed. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it left you shocked. It left you numb. It left you angry. It left you bitter. You have resentment. You don't get over that easily. It shapes you as a human being. And, and we need God to touch our hearts, uh, to guide us and direct us and to be the person that he's designed us to be. Let's listen to the words of David in Psalms 109, verses 1 through 5. It says, my God, whom I praise, do not remain silent, for the people are wicked and deceitful. They open their mouth against me. They have spoken against me with lying tongues. With words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me. But I'm a man of prayer. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my friendship. Oh, they're wicked. They're deceitful. They lie. They surround me with hateful words. They attack me. 
They abuse my friendship, evil for good. It's horrible. This is a real betrayal. And I could see how some people get a little sideways when they get betrayed. I've been betrayed by a close friend. It doesn't feel good. And I'm sure you just think a little bit. Somebody's hurt you down the line. Well, the other thought I want to bring up is that cursing doesn't really help the problem, does it? You can curse all you want, but uh, it doesn't make the problem go away. In The Princess Bride, uh, uh, Princess Buttercup is coming out to meet uh, the people of the kingdom, and Prince Humperdinck is introducing her. And um, there is a lady here who, who stands up for the cause of love. All right. And uh, she says, uh, she starts booing the princess, Princess Buttercup. And, uh, and Princess Buttercup's going, why are you doing this? And she says, uh, she treated true love like garbage. And that's what she is, the queen of refuge. So bow to her, bow to her, if you will, the queen of slime, the queen of filth, the queen of putrescence. Boo, boo, rubbish, filth, muck, maya, slime, boo. And then the princess wakes up. It's only a dream. But with all that said, and with all the humor and throwing out words and wanting to wish them evil thoughts and bad thoughts, it doesn't help this scenario. It doesn't help. I want you to uh, um, think, uh, uh, as I, I was listening to some songs with my daughter, uh, modern pop songs, and, and I came across this one artist named Ash. And uh, this, this song is kind of like a modern curse. Can I read it to you a little bit? It says this, whether you agree or not, I'm going to. So um, it's, she says in her song, it looks like God's on your side. And it's kind of like a lullaby, kind of a nice. And it, 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 it looks like uh, I've been off of your mind. Um, I'll give you one more pretty smile. I wish you all the best. But the truth is, I hope you're not happy without me. I hope it's hard to get out of bed. I, I, I hope you're angry about me. And I hope that you're never happy again. Ever, 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 again. Ever, 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 ever. Well, she's a little upset, isn't she? Little girl got her heart broken. But cursing doesn't help, does it? Doesn't change a thing. King David... This is what he was saying, and, and he's communicating to God. And you know that God is big enough to hear your, your hurts and your wounds. He's big enough for this. He's not, he's not taken back like, oh, you're, you're hurt? He knows you're hurt. He wants you to talk to him about your pain. But this is what David says when he starts throwing down a curse. He says, uh, let the devil accuse my enemy in court. Uh, let them be found guilty in court. Let his prayers... Condemn him. Let him die soon. Let someone else take his place of leadership. Let him die leaving his children fatherless and uh, leave a widow wife. Let his children wander in the streets as beggars. And this is heavy, isn't it? 
this is heavy because it's like, it's not just that guy, but it's like, oh, you have children? I'm going to curse them too. Whoa. Let the children be driven from their ruined homes and let creditors seize all that he has and strangers take everything else. Let no one be kind to him or his children. Let his name be blotted out forever. May God not forgive the sins of his father and mother. Did you catch that? That's a retro curse. What? This is pain. He wants this guy gone. This guy never thought of doing anything kind. He only hounds the poor, the needy, and the brokenhearted. He loves to curse others. Let that return on him. He He takes no pleasure in blessing others. Let blessings be far from him. May curses be bound to him forever. That's what I want God to do. (laughs) When people speak evil of me. Wow, that's so heavy. Why does someone write that? Well, that doesn't come from a place of niceness. That comes from wounds. He was betrayed and it hurt and it left him devastated. There's not a betrayal that you will have in your life that feels good. So what do you do with all those feelings? What do you do with all those emotions? I feel like when you read that, it feels like I need to go take a bath in, in Lysol or something. It's, it's just so heavy from someone who is a hero of the faith. But how do you get relief? We can't offer those kind of prayers because we know that God's mercies are new every morning. We know that God doesn't want us to curse men. He tells us, don't curse men and bless your heavenly father. You, you shouldn't do that. Out of the same mouth comes praises and cursing. James says, my brothers, this should not be. In Ephesians 4, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He tells us to get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, to be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And then the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Wow. Did you catch that part about forgiveness? It seems to be conditional. Forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others. And then it's like, well, did you really mean that? I'm here to say yes. We take a look at verse 14, Matthew 6. Jesus says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's heavy. Because he's laying down something for us here. He's telling us it's got to be a certain way here. You got to let go of that pain. 
of that hurt. It's, it's, it's like a person who um, has a cup of poison and loves the look of it, he loves the way it smells, he loves the way it tastes, and God telling him, put it down, it's hurting you. And we respond, but it's my poison. It's my glass. I love the taste of it. I don't want to let go of it. Oh, we, we want to be forgiven, don't we? But we got to lay the poison down. And when we are in a spirit of unforgiveness, bad things start manifesting themselves in our own hearts. There's no way around it. It'll happen. Forgiving others is a mandate and the key to a healthy life. That's a mandate. That's an order from God. You forgive them. The problem with this is we want justice, don't we? It's like, where, where does that person get punishment? When does that person feel like I do? Well, justice is carried out on the cross. Jesus died for my sins and the sins of the world. We love the cross because of the work that was done upon the cross for our benefit. But it's also there for the person who offended us. And sometimes that's hard to hear. The person who hurt you with their words or with their deeds. So we come to a point where, God, am I really going to submit to your will, your clear will? It's very clear. We are submitting under the rule of Jesus Christ. And if God's will is to be done on earth as it is in heaven, we need to take direction from him and follow the pattern that he laid out in scripture. We do what God clearly tells us to do, and we leave room for the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay, Romans chapter 12. Scripture tells us this too, that it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. And when God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. If justice isn't carried out on the cross, it's a terrible thing for that person. It's a terrible thing for that person. And we hope that they come to Christ because justice, all of our sins, all of our wickedness, all the evil deeds that we've ever done, our thoughts and our careless words, we're all taken care of at the cross. And the sins of the world, there's room enough for them at the foot of Jesus right there at the cross. Colossians 3 tells us to bear with one another and forgive each other. If you have a grievance against someone, forgive them as the Lord forgave you. We think of 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. So that's good for us, but it also applies to the offender. Forgiveness really becomes a crisis of the will. I will follow Christ and forgive all, or I'll hang on to my pain, my rage, my bitterness, the slander, the anger, the fighting, the malice, all of the poison. Will I choose to forgive them and leave justice at the foot of the cross? I realize that this can be very hard. 
but I'm convinced that it's the medicine that we need to apply to ourselves to get healing. I really do. So what's forgiveness? Forgiveness is canceling a person's debt to you. That's what forgiveness is, how God forgave us. It's looking at a person and saying, the sin that you committed against me, either you will pay the full price for that sin in hell, or Jesus paid the full price for that sin when he died on the cross. So I choose to cancel the debt that you have because of the sin against me. Now, here's a sign that you really truly forgiven them. You want good things to happen to that person. Is that hard? I'm here to tell you it's hard. Does it happen in a second? Mm, No. I've been going to Jesus. Nine years with a brother. But that's where I need to leave it. I need to leave the person who offended me, my betrayer, at the foot of the cross where justice is carried out. Now, a lot of people have a problem with forgiveness because they don't understand what it really is. It gets confused sometimes. So I want to tell you what forgiveness is not. May I? According to the Bible, it's not approving of or diminishing sin. Ah, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. Jesus had to die for it. It's not enabling sin. Forgiveness is not enabling sin. You might have relations with people who are addicts. We're not enabling them to sin more. But we need to forgive them. Forgiveness is not denying a wrongdoing as if it never happened. Forgiveness is not waiting for an apology from the other person. Then you forgive them. Something that we're proactive about, and we do this with the Lord. It's not forgetting. God doesn't forget. He's all-knowing. He doesn't bring it up because it was taken care of at the cross, and that's where we need to leave it as well. It's not ceasing to feel the pain because you will feel pain when you remember it again. But I choose to forgive him. And it's not a one-time event. Nope. I read something the other day where this guy says, uh, I need to forgive people all the time. So many people I need to forgive. And uh, he was asked why. And he goes, because I hate so many people. Yeah. But that's the reality, isn't it? There are people that have hurt us, and it's like, I don't want anything to do with them. I just want them to go away. Forgiveness is not neglecting justice. Sometimes justice needs to be carried out. You can forgive somebody, and they still have to face the, conse- still have to face the consequences of the law. And forgiveness is not trusting somebody. You forgive them. You don't have to trust them. They could be a very hurtful person who can do evil things. And forgiveness is not reconciliation, although that is the hope. 
that we have, sometimes it doesn't work out. We're called to live at peace with all men as far as it is with you. But sometimes it's just not possible. Sometimes the people you need to forgive are already dead. And you're left with the memories and the wounds and the bitterness and the anger, the resentment. And we need to go back and say, God, I choose to forgive them. Maybe again and again. Now, this sermon is not going to be done for a while. I'm not going to hold you here for a long time. But there's some homework for you. Uh, It's going to be a time when you spend time with Jesus. Today, tomorrow, maybe you plan it out. Thursday night is my open time, and I'm just going to be with Jesus. And we're going to talk about a few things, and I'm going to lay some things at the cross again. And I'm asking you to do this because I did it. I'm asking you to do it because it's rewarding. I'm asking you to do it because it's healthy. We need to leave some stuff at the cross. So this is what I want you to do. On a separate sheet of paper, I want you to write out the person and the offense that you're struggling with. Don't share it with anybody. This is between you and the Lord. And it might take some time. It might take 30 minutes. It might take three hours. It will take some time. And and you're taking notes. I want you to ask God to bring people up in your mind that you need to forgive. A lot of people start with mom and dad because they spend so much time with mom and dad. Get it? People at work because you spend all that time with people at work. Get it? And when that list is complete and you're asking God, is there anybody else that I need to write down on this piece of paper and work through this exercise? Remember to write down your name on the bottom of that because there are things perhaps that you have in your life that you haven't even forgiven yourself for. This is heavy. So here's the exercise. When you spend time with the Lord, I choose to forgive and name that person. I do this out loud, not so that people can hear it, but I'm just proclaiming it. I choose to forgive this person and for the sin and the pain or trouble that it has inflicted upon me. The sermon's not done until you finish that. And believe me, you're going to have a time that's so rich with the Lord. It's so rewarding. You're going to feel cleansed. You're going to feel good. I believe that God's going to meet you and he's going to reward you. If you go through this exercise, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to feel closer to the Lord. I guarantee it. That's the worst thing. Uh, If you want to read further on this topic, uh, I'd like to suggest two books by Neil T. Anderson. He used to be a prof at Talbot Seminary. And he wrote a couple of books, a lot of books, actually. But Victory Over the Darkness and The Bondage Breaker. They're a good 30 years old now, but they're jewels if you want to go a little deeper with that. I want to thank you uh, for allowing me to share. May God bless you on your journey. If you have any questions, I'll be in the lobby and I'll talk with you later, okay? Thank you. <clears throat>